the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. My name is Anastasios Adamopoulos, news reporter at Lloyd's List. Decarbonization has been a daily feature in the shipping industry since the IMO adopted its initial strategy in April 2018. And while that was a great milestone, the industry has been vocal that actual concrete regulations will be necessary to reduce emissions and to spur the development and uptake of zero-carbon fuels. Now, global regulators did meet this week at the IMO for an intersessional meeting on greenhouse gases to discuss proposals on how to cut emissions, in the short term at least. The idea is to try to introduce a measure as soon as possible while work continues on the core challenge of slashing emissions by at least 50% by 2050. The conclusions coming out of this meeting do not amount to finalized policies or regulations. It's a very technical one, like most regulatory gatherings. They can be tedious and slow and at times can be divisive. Nonetheless, it is a crucial one as it lays the groundwork for the all-important environmental committee that makes the final decisions and meets next in April 2020. This week's meeting will help the development of regulations by picking out those suggestions that it supports and leaving behind those that it does not. And it appears the majority of governments and organizations here have given a clear signal about what they think is worth more consideration and what they think should be left behind. To understand more on what exactly has happened this week, I sat down with two people who often find themselves on opposite sides of the aisle. We are here at the IMO headquarters in London, where week-long negotiations on the potential measures the industry could take to reduce emissions are wrapping up. And it appears that we've had at least some outcome to the week. We've had different proposals going into this. And I'm joined today by Maria Skipper-Schwen, Executive Director at Danish Shipping. Uh, she's here with the Danish delegation. Hi, Maria. Hi. And I'm also joined by Feig Basov, Manager for Shipping at the Transport and Environment. And he is here with the Clean Shipping Coalition. Hi, Feig. Hello. So thank you both for joining me, first of all. Feig, I'm going to start with you. Coming into this week, CSC was obviously very vocal about its support for some kind of speed limit. Um, you know, there was a detailed proposal on the table. Tell us from your perspective what the week's been like and what the outcome uh, means for you and your opinion on what the industry could do. From our perspective, when we came to the negotiations, we were not expecting any decision on any of the measures taken by the intersectional working group because that's the decision to the MEPC mm. to make. We were hoping to have more substantive discussions on individual measures to understand the pros and cons, to listen and to respond to the concerns that certain delegations might have. Unfortunately, we did not have the type of substantive discussions at the detailed level on all measures during this week we had certain discussions by Thursday it, it, it appeared to it transpired that the working group is inclined or taking the decision to carry two types of measures forward not specific measures but two types of concepts mm-hmm. that is goal-based technical approaches and goal-based operational approaches and that means that in practice, the working group is excluding prescriptive speed regulation, operational speed regulation from mm. further discussions in the future. We are disappointed by this outcome. We believe that that 
was an important and still remains an important tool at the disposal of ship owners to immediately reduce their emissions, which would give industry more time uh, to decarbonize by the application and deployment of new fuels and technologies. Does this mean that some kind of measure that limits speed, is that completely off the table? Not necessarily. Okay. What is off the table is I'm more regulating speed directly. Mm. So mm. the alternative approaches, including operational goal-based approach, for example, mm. that would still or can still use speed as a, as a mechanism, as a tool um, to achieve the same goals. But the only thing it doesn't mean is that there is no obligation to reduce speed if they can achieve the goal in a different way. But given that today or next year, the only thing that ships, current sh um, ships existing fleet can do is by reduced speed. So speed as um, a behavioral change is still very much mm -hmm. on the table and that doesn't change. And, I, and that's a very important distinction to make because Maria, that is in a way what you or like Denmark, uh, Germany and Spain were advocating in your proposal, which is, you know, you had specific carbon targets you were proposing for ships and the idea was to be flexible in how those ships could could meet those targets. So I guess in a way this has been a positive week for you. Indeed, we are at Danish Shipping, we are very satisfied with the outcome of, of this week. We expected, as this is a working group, as, as Frank just uh, described, no decisions were to be taken, but we definitely expected that things and the proposals were, were narrowed down and that we have, you know, some clear lines and guidance for the homework and the preparations that we need to, to do uh, when we meet next time uh, back to back with MEPC in, in the spring. Denmark et al. had, yes, proposed a, a mandatory goal-based approach, and it is, it is imperative for Danish ship owners that we have a flexibility to choose a method to actually meet these reductions targets. We need a flexible model where the ship owner, the operator, can choose between uh, operational and technical measures and choose methods that fits into his strategy for his company, his specific uh, ship types, etc. And there, a mandatory speed cap just doesn't work. Uh, we have been arguing against a mandatory speed cap right from the outset. But as a component or a tool within the toolbox, within the goal-based approach, this is definitely something that would work. Um, of course, if an owner sees this as an opportunity, a good opportunity for him uh, to reduce the speed, fine with us as long as he meets the targets. And that's the important thing. I mean, we've been over the speed topic quite a bit over the, the past year. But before we mo move on from this, I just mm -hmm. want to ask you, Fai, what does the decision this week mean in terms of, for you, in terms of shipping's emissions going forward? Do you think, because obviously you would be inclined to believe this is a missed opportunity in a sense, if, like you said, no action is taken on speed. But um, my question, I guess, is what does this mean for shipping emissions, which is the whole point of what we're trying to do? In our submission as part of the CSC coalition, we propose principles that whatever the final measure or measures that will be chosen, they have to comply or they have to meet certain criteria. Mm -hmm. First, we propose that the measure should be implementable very quickly. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the measure should uh, be adopted and have impact on emission reductions way before 2023. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, measure needs to be transparent and auditable 
And fourthly, the measure should be capable of achieving not only the existing 2030 target, which is minus 40% carbon intensity reduction compared to 2008, but its future increase and the uh, higher ambition than, than, than the one we have currently on the table. From that perspective, if we are following from the top, um, speed would be able to deliver all of those. Mm. Speed was very quick. Um, it would be very quick to, to, to be implemented. We don't need to develop extra metrics, extra tools to implement speed. We have all the baseline sets. Um, we could use the baseline of 2015, 2018, or in between. Um, and we could implement it from day one. From that perspective, we feel like it's a missed opportunity because other measures on the table, including the operational goal-based approach, might be bogged down in the dialogue, in the negotiations on the metrics, on the baselines, on the level of ambition, and other elements. And that means that we might be losing time while ships are churning out thousands of tons of CO2 every minute we are discussing. I completely disagree, Fake, because you can't slow steam yourself all the way to the 2050 absolute reduction target. It's just, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to work. But we need here a completely different means of propulsion, fuel types and, and technology that we don't even know of today. So, I mean, if you think slow steaming is a silver bullet and that will bring us in, in, in line with the reduction targets, I think it's a big mistake. And I think the IMO member states have, have realized that and actually made a very wise decision by not, you know, uh, applying this as the one regulatory measure here. I completely agree and I acknowledge, yes, it will give you concrete reductions the day that you introduce mandatory speed reduction. Of course it will, but in the long run, it's not going to help us to meet the 2050 target. I don't think I disagree on that. We never propose speed reduction as the one silver bullet measure mm -hmm. to be implemented indefinitely. We were very clear, and this is a measure that is transitory measure, it's a provisional measure. And the purpose of the measure is neither um, to incentivize technology uptake, nor completely decarbonize the sector. The purpose was to save carbon budget. In that sense, um, speed should not be evaluated or judged in relation to problems that it was not supposed to solve in the first place. So from that perspective, our goal was implement speed quickly right now mm. and then look into operational, and I want to underline the operational goal-based measure as a replacement while we are in the meantime discussing on the metrics, discussing on the baseline and so, and so, so on and so forth. So speed in that sense is only and was only a provisional measure in our mindset. Well, I think, Maria, you obviously you guys have very different points of views, but you mentioned the need to sort of actually focus on investment and basically something that can actually get us to those 2050 targets, which at the moment are at least reducing emissions by 50%, at least 50% mm -hmm. by uh, 2050 compared to 2008. So, you know, wider than this week, perhaps, it's been maybe over a year and a half since we adopted, we saw the adoption of the initial strategy. I'm mm -hmm. just, I want to your quick thoughts maybe on if you think the, the way the industry has reacted, you know, we have all these initiatives of GMF, the getting to zero coalition, various commitments by different companies. Are you satisfied with the industry reaction since the, 
strategy was adopted, leaving aside the regulation for a minute. Maria, maybe you can start there. I think the obvious answer on for me representing ship owners is I think a lot of things, uh, initiatives is, is going on now in the industry. Of course, there is a difference between different companies, but as, as you just mentioned, the DMF initiative, getting to zero coalition, we have five Danish leading companies uh, supporting the, the getting to zero coalition. We have Maersk, uh, who has um, announced even more ambitious uh, targets from the, for, the, for themselves. I think this is a sign of industry leaders now taking the lead, and we need that uh, within the industry. So I definitely think that we are seeing changes, and I think we also see that in terms of engagement, both in, in also from other stakeholders, such as investors, customers, et cetera, et cetera. And that is equally as important because the shipping industry cannot do this by themselves. We need this as a, as, um, a joint action. Fike, would you agree? Certainly, there has been a lot achieved um, in terms of industry declarations and industry ambition outside IMO. And certainly, the declarations made by Maersk and others help shape the debate before coming to the IMO. But one thing is clear that, um, as Maria said, industry in itself cannot decarbonize. And since it is a type of industry where a collective action problem exists, you need to have regulations to make sure that everybody complies with the rule. That means that debate inside the IMO is as much important as the debate outside the IMO made, declared by, by, by shipping industry. In that sense, the industry, which is very diverse, different ship types, you know, different segments, industry is fairly split industry. It's such a diverse as well as split industry, and that creates certain level of low ambition. Um, that you had the ambitious companies and you had the low ambition companies, and that created a, a kind of lowest common denominator approach when we're looking at industry proposals on the table. SEMP is one, and everybody agrees that that's probably not worth the effort in terms of political capital put, in, put into this. We believe that industry could come up as a whole, all the global associations, with more ambitious proposals, and that could have helped to speed up the process as opposed to the situation we have now. Also, the way the in- initial strategy was adopted and the key baseline year, 2008, was mm-hmm. chosen. And that was um, not a surprise. That's an industry proposal that came from the International Chamber of Shipping that did not make things easier either during the negotiation because that was a year where the mission um, estimations are the least precise year and developing measures having 2008 as a baseline makes the life of every measure champion, every co-sponsor difficult. But it is true, it is a bit water under the bridge at this stage. Uh, we have to work with what we have. But that also means that we need to think about higher ambitions from, from this point on, both for 2030 as well as for 2050. Yeah, because milestones are important. And I think it's also important not to forget that in this strategy, there is the clause, or I'm not sure exactly how you want to call it, that there is a point of revision consensus, if you like, at the moment, which is very much speculation, of mm. course, is that if the things continue the way they are going, um, it's going to be a revision of the targets upwards. You know, the baselines could change, like Fike said. Um, so this could fundamentally alter um, the course mm. of, of the industry. But before we get to that, we have the next big environmental meeting here at the IMO in 
March and then April, so another technical meeting followed by the actual committee that makes the, the full decisions. Given what's happened this week and given some of the things that industry has been doing, what do you expect to happen in four months' time? Mm-hmm. And is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to in between, whether that be an industry development mm. or something on the regulatory scope? Well, I think the two things go together. I mean, there is a lot of homework to prepare for the regulatory proposals because what is really important is that everybody will come prepared for the next intersessional so that the proposals can be finalized and be put before MEPC 75 uh, with a view for, for approval and final adoption at the following MEPC in, in the fall. That's incredibly important because we need to deliver the strategy in 2023. That means there is a lot of work between now and, 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 uh, and the spring because there are still some issues that need to be resolved. For instance, the indicators and, and baselines, how do we do this the, the best way? There, there is no perfect indicator and we need to explore all options. I think that was also clear from listening to the debate, to, to the debate um, today. We need to, to look at the, the stepwise uh, targets in, in the goal-based approach towards 2030. How should they be designed? Uh, we need to look at verification and uh, enforcement. It's incredibly important that we have a robust enforcement system in place. So uh, just like the sulfur discussion, not to, mm-hmm. to, to yeah. repeat that, uh, where basically IMO adopted uh, incredibly expensive uh, regulation but had no enforcement uh, procedure in place. We do not want to see a repetition of that. So from, from Danish shipping uh, side, I can say we're working on, on a study to come up with a uh, robust enforcement mechanism for, for this. And then finally, as we also heard from many, many states, we need to take the impact assessments on uh, small islands and developing states into consideration. That is equally important in order to get the political uh, decision that that we need, that the industry needs. We need a regulatory framework which paves the way for innovation, no penalization of first movers, and to make the framework uh, work in order for, for the innovation to take place. That's what we need, and that's what we're calling for. And I think we totally agree there, Fake. I mean, to, to avoid repeating what Maria just said, I, will, I want to give a societal view, a societal perspective, because it's a tedious work here. It's very technical. Um, it is day-by-day, meeting-by-meeting um, process. But in such a process, we should not forget the bigger picture. The bigger picture is to be compatible with Paris Agreement. Shipping needs to decarbonize fully by about 2040, minus plus two years. That means that the first zero emission ships should already start operating by late 20s. And from that point on, there needs to be a steep uptake of zero emission technologies and fuels so that we can replace the existing fleet um, alongside the um, new ships coming to the fleet. That means that a step change approach is no longer permissible, it's no longer acceptable. We don't have time to make a decision with the hope that in the future we will be able to improve it, that we will be able to ratchet it up. The ratchet up mechanism or the ratchet up type of decisions, that's the story of the past because we no longer have the time. Shipping is the late comer to this one. Um, The decarbonization of other sectors started since 1992. Shipping adopted its initial strategy at the global level in 2018. We're late by 30 years. And since we're a latecomer, that means that we don't have the luxury of waiting and fixing the mistakes in the future. 
Um, but at the same time, the positive story is that we have the luxury of not repeating the mistakes of other sectors. Mm -hmm. In that sense, we can learn. Shipping is a bit like a clean slate. So we can learn from trial and error in other sectors. But at the same time, we need to get it right. And we need to get it right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the time to, f to hope that we'll be able to fix it so long as we have quick and dirty solution right now. Well, on that note, we look forward to seeing what's going to happen within the next four months and the next intersessional NMEPC happening in late March, early April. Uh, Maria Feig, I want to thank you both for your time and safe travels back home. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having us.